Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 21. The last chapter in the book of John. The end is near. I don't know if that means eschatologically or not, but near the end of John anyway. Several more weeks, I want us to see some of the things that took place. You know, since the resurrection, everything that has happened in chapter 20 has been unexpected. Things that the disciples didn't expect to see. Jesus appearing to them, the tomb being empty, the grave clothes being there, uh, but the body gone. I mean, all sorts of things were just unexpected. They, They weren't anticipating seeing any of that. Nothing changes in chapter 21. You would... You'd kind of think by now that the apostles were, were well, everything's okay now, we're, we're fine, and they would be anticipating everything would happen. They would anticipate seeing Jesus, having him around a little bit before his ascension. That's not the case. And in this particular episode, we see him approaching them in Galilee by the sea after Peter and the others, had seven of them anyway, had decided to, to go fishing uh, you know, Jesus had told him to go to Galilee and wait on him there, that he was going to come there. And, and I don't know whether they just got impatient of waiting or they thought, well, we've got to go back to our jobs now. We've got to start making a living again as we did before. So we're going out fishing or what? I don't know. I, there's no explanation of exactly why they do or why they did what they do in this passage. But the truth of the matter is there's another unexpected encounter with Jesus. And in that is an unusual invitation to breakfast that takes place in that particular time. You remember those last two verses of chapter 20, where John kind of sounds like he's closing it out. He said, you know, therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by that believing you may have life in his name. Because of that, a lot of people said, well, you know, that's really where John intended to end, and somebody else is, and that was the last thing he wrote, and somebody else has kind of tagged on verse, or chapter 21. I don't buy that. I think John had the same mindset as Peter did, or excuse me, as Paul did in some of his epistles. You know, in some of Paul's epistles, he'll get about halfway through the book, and he'll say, and finally, brethren, and three chapters later, he says it again. I mean, there's there's always something more, something more to be said about what Christ has done and what he is doing. And and I I just think that's what transpires here, that John writes that saying, listen, he did a lot more miracles than this. There were a lot more things done, but I I didn't record those. I recorded for you exactly what was necessary for you to believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and in believing that, you might have life in his name. That's the essence, that's the purpose, that's why John is writing this book. He wants to show us who Jesus is. But listen at this third encounter with the groups of disciples after his resurrection that that John records here in these first 14 verses. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and, the other, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Can you all just imagine sitting around and twiddling their thumbs and 
Say, we were told to come here, and it's been a week now, and nothing's happened. He told us to go on to Galilee, and, and we've been waiting. And, and Simon Peter, impetuous as he always is, several times in this passage, Simon Peter says, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm going fishing. So he does. And they said to him, we will also come with you. And they went out and got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, some translations translate that word children, boys, and I guess the British translation, some of them have lads, lads, you, got, you, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered him and said, no. And he said to them, listen, cast your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. Now, these are professional fishermen, guys. And, and don't, these are not the kinds that go out on Lake Cumberland on, you know, on Saturday morning just to kind of wet a worm or something, you know, or drown a worm. They, these are professional fishermen. They know how to fish. They know where the fish are. And they've been fishing all night, and they've got nothing. And fishermen... Even fishermen out on Lake Cumberland, drowning in worm, don't like to take advice from strangers. But they, they answered him and said no. And he said, well, cast it on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll have a catch. So they did what he said. And then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So Simon Peter, here he goes again, impetuous Peter, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment, wrapped himself in it, for he was stripped for the work, and he threw himself into the sea, and he swam. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although they were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Knowing that if they'd said, Who are you? He would have simply said, I am. Because that's who he was. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. Does that sound familiar? This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Just a couple of things I want you to see this morning. Coming out of the Lord's Supper as we just have, and thinking about this manifestation of Jesus to his disciples a week or so later, after they have seen him twice, after they have anticipated that, that he is present, after they have known that that he is there with them. Now they, they gather in, in Galilee, waiting patiently on him, and decide to go out fishing just on, the, on a whim. Peter, I, I'm, I'm going to go fishing. 
And they said, well, we'll come with you. I want you to see in this passage, really, first and foremost, the beginning of the mission. Or at least the beginning of the teaching about the mission that Jesus is going to give to these seven and the others as he ascends into heaven. We know in Acts chapter 1, he has, we have the ascension story there, and he tells them to go to Jerusalem and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, to go out into the world and share the gospel. We know at the end of Matthew, as, as Brother Scott preached on last Sunday night so, so clearly, he said, go into the world and make disciples of all men. I'm, I mean, the commission is coming. And in this passage, very gently, and in the one we'll look at next week, we see Jesus preparing them for the mission, preparing them for the commission that he's going to have. Jerome, interestingly, one of the early church fathers, all the church fathers spent a lot of time talking about this particular episode. Jerome particularly said, there's great significance in the 153 fish that were caught. Now some through the years have disputed that and questioned that and all, but, but Jerome was sold on it. Jerome said in his writings that in the, in the Sea of Galilee, there were 153 different species of fish. And then in drawing in the net, and specifically saying there were 153 fish in that net when it was drawn in, heavy and yet not torn, that what Jesus was showing them, that as was there, every species of fish in the sea that was to caught, be caught that day, that their mission was going to be to go to every nation, every tongue, every tribe of the earth, and that there were fish that were to be drawn in from every nation, just like those fish were out of the sea. Indeed, there is something to that. In that Jesus had told the disciples when he called Peter and James and John and the others from their fishing nets, when he looked at them after they had been fishing and catching literal fish, swimming in the water, he said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And yet on this particular moment, they decided to give up the call that had been issued to them when they first became disciples of Jesus and they went back to being fishers of fish. Fishers of unimportant animals or sea creatures rather than fishers that they were, they were called to be. They still were so confused about what was to take place. And I think there is some symbolism there that, that Jesus is wanting us to see that we are to go into all the world. His disciples, his church will spread out across the face of the earth and, and will draw men and women from every tongue and every tribe and every nation that exists anywhere. We're to go to them all. There's not to be an unreached people group on the face of the earth. There are today. There, there are multitudes of unreached people groups that we have yet to get the gospel to. You, you can't imagine this. I can't even imagine this. But there are people this morning somewhere on the face of the earth in some places that would probably surprise you that have never heard the name of Jesus. You say, man, I, I hear that name every day. I read my Bible every day. I see the name of Jesus. I come to church. I hear the name of Jesus. I go to Sunday school. We talk about Jesus. Why, Jesus is the answer to everything, isn't he? Like the little boy where the teacher described a, a certain animal. And he said, I, I know it sounds a lot like a spider, but, but I know the right answer is Jesus. You know, we, we, it's every, that's all we hear. It's all we talk. I mean, we, but there are people across the face of this earth, people, groups, whole tribes, tongues, 
but have never heard the name of Jesus. He said, that's, that's the responsibility. That's what it's all about, fishing for men rather than fishing for fish. And so in this passage, I think we see a couple of things that are significant, not only to those who will go to those people groups, but to you and me who are staying at home and sending them. The first thing I think is important to see here is them going out without a command from Jesus to go, without the authority of Jesus to go, and they just decide, we're going to go fish for fish. I think Jesus is illustrating to us here really what is the secret of effectively following through on his mission. And the first part of being effective in the mission that he's called us to is listening to him. Going in his strength. Going in his power. I reread that psalm that we read during the, the, the praise time this morning when, when David writes, you know, Lord, revive us again. Give us the joy of your salvation again. Lord, do a work in our lives again. Here the disciples are going out and doing it in their own strength. And when they come back in the next morning, tired, sleepy, frustrated at no fish, Jesus says, hey lads, you haven't caught anything, have you? They say, no, not a thing. So I tell you what, throw your net over on the right side of the boat. I know they had to have thought, are you kidding me? We fished this lake all night. We're in shallow water now. We're, all, we're only 100 yards from the shore. We know there's no great catch of fish here. The fish are out there where we've been. Now we're in here. Throw it on the right hand. But for some reason, they did it. And I dare say miraculously, because of the direction of the sovereign God of all creation, the fish were there. So many that it filled the net, so many that they couldn't pull it into the boat. It was so heavy. They had to tow it along and bring it to the shore that way. So many that were, it was just unbelievable to those professional fishermen. I kind of think back to what Jesus said to those disciples when he was talking to them about him being the vine, and they were the branches, and we are the branches. He's still our vine. And he said in John 15, 5, when he simply said, Listen, apart from me, you can do nothing. A lot of times we look at ministry. We look at our own ministry, and we say, I can't do that. I can't go to somebody who's hurting and and minister to them. I can't go to somebody who needs the gospel and share the gospel with them. I'm too timid. I'm too shy. I'm, too, I'm, just, I'm an introvert. I, just, I don't do that sort of thing. And Jesus would say, yeah, you're learning. That's good. It's good to recognize that, that unless you do it my way, unless you do it in my strength, unless you do it depending on me, Lord, revive us again and give us the joy of your salvation again. Lord, do a new work in my life to give me strength and boldness and courage unless we recognize that it has to be done not in our strength but in his strength by his power, then absolutely you're right. You can't do it. But as the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. That wasn't just rhetoric, folks. 
That wasn't Paul just needing something to write. That was Paul expressing a great truth that when we are in Christ, walking in Christ, trusting in Christ, and getting our orders from Christ, and believing that He is with us where we go, then I can do all things through Him who is my strength. See, a little change took place when they got close to shore, and Jesus gave the instruction. They had a, lar- a, catch of la- a large catch of fish. So it talks about the secret of effective mission, ministry, gospel sharing, is depending on Him. And then it also, as, as I've kind of alluded to already, it talks about the scope of the mission work. The scope of the mission work. I mean, you'd think that, you know, if, if uh, you'd think really the only place to go is America, because that's where we got all the churches, isn't it? But God really just wants us going. I mean, I was, I was blown away by an article written several weeks ago, right after the doctor with Samaritan's Purse got uh, Ebola, uh, serving people in Africa. They're doing medical work, but there with the the medical work was secondary to him. He, he, he joyfully said he was there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And he contracted Ebola. And he came back. And you had people like Donald Trump saying, well, he shouldn't have gone there in the first place. It's dangerous. So we shouldn't bring him back here to treat him because he should have known better to go to start with. And then, Lord, help her. I pray for her soul every day. Ann Coulter writing an article and saying, well, What's wrong with just serving Jesus here in America? Don't we still do ministry here? Just goes to show conservatism doesn't necessarily translate to Christianity. Don't ever confuse the two. Dr. Brantley was doing exactly what God had called him to do. He's being obedient to that to that word that Jesus gave to those disciples about cast the net and cast the net where I tell you to and where I tell you to is among every people, every tribe, every nation. He didn't call all of us to go. He may call some of us to go that we're a little hard-headed and stubborn about going. But he didn't call all of us to go, but he calls all of us to be involved in the mission. The mission that he died to set in place. The mission that he rose again to confirm. The mission that he, that he ultimately ascended in order to send the Holy Spirit, whereby the Holy Spirit would be our source of strength and power so that he would be with us forever, be with us even at the ends of the earth, he says. Be with us, present with us, and dwelling in us, empowering us, giving us that boldness, giving us that strength, giving us what we need to be obedient, not doing it in our own strength. I'm doing it in our own devices, but doing it by Him. They had the net. They counted the fish. The net was not torn. And then Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. They probably rejoiced in hearing that. Because here he was, their Lord, resurrected from the dead. Something about him looks a little different. John doesn't explain it. None of the gospel writers explain it. 
He, was, he didn't look exactly like he did. Something different about him in that glorified, resurrected body. But it was enough that they knew it was him. And he said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. Only the Lord could have said, cast on the right side in shallow water when we've been fishing all night and didn't catch anything. Only the Lord could say, do that, and let's fill up the nets. It had to be him. The great I am. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the, the bread for your soul and water for your thirst. I am who I am. I am the creator. I am the redeemer. I'm the savior. I'm the one who takes sin and gives righteousness. I'm the one who blots out all the all the, all the debt that you have and, and gives you a clean slate because of my righteousness, not yours. I am the one. I am him. That's who's there. And he said, let's eat breakfast. John doesn't explicitly say, but there's, there's an implication here that Jesus ate with them. I love that he took the bread and gave it to them, and then he took the fish. I, I think back to one of the signs that John used when he fed the 5,000. What did he do? He took the bread and blessed it and passed it out. He took those little fish and, pa- and blessed it and passed it out. There was the bread and the fishes that fed 5,000. Here was bread and fish that are just feeding seven of his closest disciples. It's kind of like he took the bread and the wine. He doesn't do application to it here. He doesn't make any, any kind of teaching necessarily other than I am meeting your needs. You have labored all night in your own strength, and now you've come to see my glory. I'm meeting your need. Here, I've made bread. I've, I've had a charcoal fire. I've prepared fish and bread. Here, take it and eat it. The glorious God we have that loves us so much, he meets our needs not our every want but he meets our needs when we learn to walk in him when we learn what it means to follow me we learn what it means to be his disciple in a 21st century that is tough but no tougher than Peter and James and John and Paul ministered in 2,000 years ago. Don't forget, they all died because they were Christians. They were all martyred because of their faith. It wasn't just they had somebody saying, you can't pray here, you can't speak there, you can't do this. Now, all that's bad, I realize, but folks, it's nothing compared to what these disciples did, and yet he met their every need. Come and have breakfast. We don't think of that little simple phrase as being a call to mission, do we? But that's exactly what it is. Come and eat breakfast. Come and and let me minister to you, Jesus says. Come and let me... Come and let me care for you. Let me give you life. Come and let me give you the nourishment for life, spiritual life. Come and, and, and walk with me. 
and I will guide you. I'll direct you. I will strengthen you. I will empower you. Not by human resources, but by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. You know, I love, it's old, but I love the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures. That's us here below and animals. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts, the angels. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit. Trinitarian. At every point. Praise Him. Because the Father sent the Son to be our Redeemer, and the Son died, rose again, gave the meal, died, rose again, ascended into heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit so that God is always present with us who belong to Him. I tell you what, that's glorious. And that's where our strength is to be drawn. You didn't become a Christian because you were so smart or it's because you were so clever. It's because the Spirit of God worked in your life. You don't become an effective witness because you can be clever in your conversation or, or, or you are an extrovert and you just like to talk to people. And one person in my class reunion when I said, how many of you really thought I'd be a pastor or preacher when I grew up? One person raised her hand out of all these people there. I thought she was lying. I said, why did you say that? She said, oh, all through high school, you like to be in front of people. It takes a lot more than that. But maybe you're an extrovert, so you think you can just do it in your own strength. She said, no, you do it my way, in my strength, by my grace. And you can say with the Apostle Paul, in him, I can do all things that he commands me to do because he is my strength. Let's pray together. As you pray, you have, if you're here this morning, not a, not a Christian, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here because you've seen the gospel portrayed visibly through the Lord's Supper. You've heard the word that he will save by faith, by grace through faith alone. heard that he will strengthen you. You say, I, I don't know if I can do that. No, you can't. But he can and he will in your life. He will energize the faith that you need to believe. Isn't that amazing? Call out to his grace this morning. Call out to him this morning. You're going to see it portrayed even further in baptism in just a few minutes.
If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, you never trusted Christ, I just encourage you right now, even as we sing together and observe baptism, that you would hear his call in your life. If you're here to believer, I ask you to hear the call to mission. Not necessarily missions in Africa, not necessarily missions in South America, but call to mission wherever God places you and where he has placed you in Somerset, Kentucky. Be obedient. Hear him say, throw out the net on the right side. There's fish there. Share with that one I lay on your heart. There's fruit there. Be obedient. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word and your truth. Touch us and change us, O Lord. Revive us again, O Lord. And give us the joy of your salvation. We pray in Jesus' name.